Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey folks, it's Matt Zachary, and welcome to Vax On, a weekly segment of my podcast, Out of Patience, right here on the Offscript Media Network. Hey, I'm Alura Nanos. I'm a lawyer, a journalist, a mom of a teenage narcoleptic, and a professional big mouth. Lou and I go back 30 years as best friends, and we're here to have fun and bring you a layperson's guide to what the hell just happened this week in healthcare as America gets its vax on and shows COVID the door. Matt gets me. He knows I'm tired, annoyed, and sometimes pushed to the brink by the intense chaos of our lives right now. We're here together to learn, complain, and include you in the conversation. So join us on Twitter at VaxOnPod and share your stories and grievances using the hashtag VaxOn. Conspiracy theorists and haters shall be neutralized on site. All right, Matt, let's get at it. VaxOn is back. Welcome back, Allura Nanos. And Andrew's here. Hey, hey. Yay! Have the three of us ever done one of these together? Yes. Then the answer is yes. The answer is yes, but not like this, because I'm on the road. You are Charles Carrollting yourself in the South. <laughs> Indeed. I, this is like the South Carolina episode of Vaxon, because I'm here now, and you're coming here when, tomorrow? No, I'll be there Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I will not be there. It is hot as hell here. Let me just Let me just preface it by that. So- Bring your wicking garment because <laughs> you will be sweating. Where are you in Charlotte? No, that's North Carolina. Charleston? Charleston, I don't yes. know the South. Anyway, any, anything yeah. below Trenton. I mean, you're kind of Cherry Hill. I know Cherry Hill. <laughs> anything below kind of Trenton is whatever. But I'll be near the beach. I'm Myrtle Beach. Maybe it's cooler. I have no idea. I'm, I'm near the beach as well. I'm near Folly Beach, which is outside of Charleston. And it is marginally cooler, but it is primarily hot as hell. And not a mask in sight, I will tell you. So um, it's it's very interesting. I have to just report in on this since you're coming here. One of the things that I didn't realize I've been conditioned to expect being in New York and New Jersey is that um, mask etiquette has really become just kind of uh, like saying please and thank you. You know, it's become just an etiquette thing that whenever you're near someone, if the other person is wearing a mask, and you're not wearing one because, you know, let's say you're outside or something like that, it becomes normal that you say, oh, I'm sorry, would you like me to put a mask on? Or you just reach for your mask or, and it becomes this kind of like, you see someone wearing one, so then you realize you should put your own mask on. At least that's how I've perceived it. So Southern mask courtesy. Yeah, there's zero mask courtesy. It sort of seems clear to me that it's just like, that's just not the etiquette here. They're just not wearing them and nothing about what I do is going to change that. And every time we go someplace, we're the only ones wearing masks because my daughter 
has only gotten her first dose of the vaccine. So, um, you know, we just want to be safe anytime we're inside. And it's just interesting that I don't get the sense that our wearing a mask has any kind of trigger effect on what anybody around us is doing. This is this is so interesting. We're now talking about masking and vaccination. These are essentially the two big techniques that we have for protecting the unvaccinated. And it is very intriguing to think about the reasoning behind the CDC's recommendation that we all return to indoor masking. What are your thoughts about that? Honestly, I posted something on on Twitter, which I found to be just a spectacular explanation of science. And it wasn't meant to be polarizing and it wasn't necessarily about the vaccine or anything. It's like science is not truth. Science is always seeking the truth. And when science discovers something different, science didn't lie to you. Science learned more. And what a better way to explain that to the people who I hope not just know that because they know that, but is it is saying it that way educational to those that perhaps may not have ever heard it expressed that way? One would like to think so. Yes. My perspective is, I can say this with a sort of degree of fed up with empathy, but we keep saying this every show, we are not pro-death. <laughs> we want people to live and thrive and not be vectors to kill other people. But there's been this domino effect of anti-vaxxer dies of COVID over and over and over again. And, you know, Twitter being Twitter, the response is that I just tested positive for apathy. And <laughs> I, 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 there's an odd black humor to that, but it's also really terrible. So I'm splitting the difference between I did all I could to protect me and my family. I will continue to do that. But masks only work if you're both wearing them. Me wearing a mask or my kids wearing a mask is irrelevant to anyone else. Right. Which is why I'm very curious um, being in a place where I'm seeing very few masks. Very curious. Is the reason why these people are not wearing masks, is it because they are all vaccinated and believe that there's no reason to wear a mask because they are now vaccinated? Is it because they are people who are unvaccinated and are sort of against all COVID restrictions of any kind? Um, it, you know, it's impossible to know, you know, is it because they've been living with this and they feel like, you know, throw caution to the wind, they already got COVID and they feel like they're not worried about getting it again. Like, who knows what the what the reasoning is? All I know is I'm walking around and in in a few places, uh, the establishments have required that you wear the masks indoors. And then I do see that people are putting them on. But for the most part, anytime it's optional, I'm seeing that very few people have masks on. I, I would say probably 5% of the people. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I just see that the habits here in the South are very different than they are in New York and New Jersey. You know, and, and I just, I wonder what's behind that. And, you know, hopefully people figure it out and get their asses vaccinated. When we think about the great examples of Americans in the past, we think about, I think a lot of people's minds go to World War II. This was still a period of time in American history when 
racism was institutionalized. And that has to be acknowledged. As opposed to now when it's just fabulous. Uh, yeah. um, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. But if you think about the way that America responded to reality during World War II, there was a lot of very, very bad news being imposed on us. And we did not respond the way that fully 30% of our population is responding to today's bad news at that time. That's a really important point. They didn't, they didn't think to themselves, uh, this inhibits my sense of personal freedom and liberty, and therefore I am going to pretend that the information that is reaching my ears is a lie. Yeah. I, I think that that's a really important point that we, you know, we look back at that generation, you know, in very broad terms, we, you know, we know it as a generation when, you know, we sort of kicked into high gear as a country, you know, men went to war, women went to work. Um, the whole country supported the war effort and everyone sort of came together, or at least that is the, the myth, you know, I mean, that is maybe the sensationalized version of it, but that is what we have always celebrated. And to whatever degree it's true, it is something we've all venerated over the years. And that's really not what's happening now. And, and that's a shame because it should be something that we come together and that we are of one mind or as close to one mind as possible on let's just get through this together and a feeling of togetherness as opposed to a feeling of conflict. How quickly would humanity have been eradicated from the planet if Twitter existed during polio? <laughs> oh, God. Please. Don't even. Hold on. Yeah. So it's as if Andrew knew what the first segment was going to be because he just brought up the military. I was ready to share the story, but Andrew just made me think of a completely new way to think about it. So I don't know if you heard, but the Pentagon has decided that they will mandate vaccination for U.S. service members. Now, we talked in an earlier episode about the fact that the COVID vaccines were not fully FDA approved. And we talked about how important it is for the FDA to give full approval or at least to give us a timeline for the full approval. And it seems that, you know, until now, the Biden administration has held off on making vaccination for COVID uh, a requirement for service members, sort of acknowledging that when we're in this, this period of time where it's not fully FDA approved, that maybe now is not yet the time to mandate it for military personnel. But as the FDA is going to approve it, they're saying, I think within the next month or so, it will get full FDA approval. Now the Biden administration is saying that the Pentagon plans to make the vaccination mandatory no later than September, and it's, it is intended to link up with the timeline for the full FDA approval. 64% of the 1.3 million active duty service members are fully vaccinated. So, all right, so we get that to 100%. That's a few hundred thousand people. Yeah. Here's what's interesting to me, right? So first of all, this whole issue is, it, it is a non-issue because it is already mandatory for military personnel to get a whole bunch of vaccines. You know, they have to get all the vaccines. And then when they travel to certain countries, they have to get even more vaccines. So the fact that, you know, this is a mandatory vaccination, like it's nothing new. The military already deals with this all the time. You know, from that standpoint, like it, it's not news. However, what is interesting to me per a New York Times article on this matter, military leaders said that they really didn't expect to get any resistance from the troops because they're already accustomed to getting mandatory shots. 
I wonder if that is actually true. Do you think that the military, you know, being service members, being people who are used to getting mandatory vaccinations, will think of this as just one more thing that they have to do, just like they've been doing things for many years? Or do you think that they will perceive it as something different because, you know, COVID is just, it, it is a new thing. The vaccine is a new vaccine. So do you think that that these military leaders are being overly optimistic? Or do you think that that really it'll be no big deal and we'll see 100% of the troops vaccinated, you know, by September? How many troops watched Tucker Carlson? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure some. Yeah. Right. Right. 1% is a percent. <laughs> True. And if you're a military leader and you're setting expectations for your troops, um, making a prediction that most of them will rebel will probably give permission to them to rebel. True. True. Yeah. So it's, you think that maybe they're just saying this, but they actually are are nervous that people give them a hard time? I've never been a member of the military, but based on devotion to chain of command and uh, everything that I understand to be true about the culture of the military branches. Um, I would like to believe that at least this institution can be counted on to uh, have people follow their leaders when it makes sense to do so. Right. You follow orders. Yeah. I'll be curious to see, you know, even if servicemen and women do comply with these mandates, I'll be curious to see if it is kind of, um, you know, either slow walked or if we, we hear a lot of outcry about it, there's nothing to stop military personnel from getting the vaccine and speaking up about the fact that they didn't want to. I'm just curious to see if it really will be a sort of no big deal, as it should, because again, this is a safe vaccine and millions of us are getting it. It's very important for health and safety for the military, more so than for many other people because of their living conditions. So I'm I'm curious because it just seems that there's so much with the COVID vaccine that feels unprecedented in terms of the way we receive it as a society. Um, so I'm just interested to see what will happen there. Will it, will it sort of feel different in the playing out? I hope what Andrew said is right, which is, you know, this is part of military life. You you know you you follow orders and like that's just how it goes. I'm interested to see how it plays out. We've got a new segment here on Vaxxon for our listeners called Sir Moments. And no, it is not knighting a three stooge, Sir Mo. It is Sir Moments. Elura, <laughs> talk us through what the hell this is. So here's what's going on. We at Vaxxon have partnered with Sirmo, which is a social media platform just for physicians. Sirmo actually engages with more than 1.3 million healthcare providers across 150 countries. So it is full on worldwide. And this platform is a social media community that fosters discussions about issues that are important to these physicians and to their patients. So what is going to happen is that each week, we are going to ask a series of questions to our friends at Sermo. And all of these millions of healthcare providers across the entire world are going to have the opportunity to weigh in on our Vaxxon questions. And it'll be like 
you know, sometimes we, we look for second opinions on things. Well, it's going to be like we get second opinion, third opinion, the 200th opinion, the 2000th opinion. It's going to be so cool. We have this unique ability to ask our questions just to this community. And we're going to get poll data back from the people at Thermo to tell us what their doctor said. And if that is not cool enough, our listeners get to help do the asking. So listeners, send us your questions. We will send them over to our partners at Sermo, and then we will check back in with you and tell you what the physicians said. Guys, how cool is this? So you get to ask questions of 1.3 million doctors. Yeah. Which is the same number, by the way, as there are active duty troops in the U.S. How about that? This is the 1.3 episode of <laughs> You are a neurologist, my friend. <laughs> I'm going to go watch 13 with Jim Carrey. Wait, for the rest of the episode, when there are any statistics, can I just say 1.3 million? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How many listeners do you have? 1.3 million. Andrew's drinking 1.3% milk fat. It is 1.3 million degrees here in South Carolina. <laughs> and 1.3 and right. of the hosts on this show like the idea of continuing with this. <laughs> okay, wait. So we already sent out our first poll to our friends at Sermo. But before I can share with you what the poll results were, I'm going to have to give you some backstory. So you guys strap in, get ready for some backstory here, okay? Here comes. So this is about cruise drama. And I know we've talked about the cruise industry before, but holy shit, things just keep getting crazier and crazier with the cruise industry. When last we left, the CDC did a no sale order. This is back in April of 2020. Beginning of the pandemic, the CDC tells the cruise ships you're not allowed to sail anywhere and they issue this no sale order. Now, to be fair, it's a little weird because like the CDC is not actually in charge of cruise ships, but they issued this order and it basically said like they used this quarantine power to say like, you got to stay in the harbors, no, no sailing on cruise ships. And at the time, nobody really complained about it because the whole world was shutting down. But eventually when it wasn't lifted, Florida started bitching about it. And you know, they're, they're all like, you're not the boss of the cruise industry and we have to protect the cruise industry and stop telling us not to have our boats and we got to protect, you know, Royal Caribbean and everybody. And you got to lift the no sale order. So Florida starts a lawsuit against the CDC trying to get it to get rid of the no sale order. First, the CDC wins the lawsuit, right? The court's like, CDC, you get to keep your no sale order. Florida, quit bitching about it. Too bad for you, Ron DeSantis, go away. Florida is all, we're going to the Supreme Court. We're going to go appeal this to the Supreme Court. The 11th Circuit was the court that ruled in favor of the CDC. And Florida is like, give me that order. We're taking it to the Supreme Court because the Supreme Court has not been a big fan of a lot of COVID restrictions. And Florida was pretty sure that if they just showed the 11th Circuit's ruling to the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court was going to not like it and reverse it. So Florida writes a brief and is like, we're filing this with the Supreme Court. So get ready for us. The 11th Circuit sees Florida's brief, doesn't even wait for the Supreme Court, and just decides on its own that it's going to just change its mind, which is like really bizarre. The court wow. was just like, oh, you know what? <laughs> we thought about it, and actually we fucked up. <laughs> Oops. Like they didn't, nobody even, it was like absolutely nobody. And then the 11th Circuit was like, never mind with that. So <laughs> the 11th Circuit is like, oh, Florida, actually you should have won. 
That so, is so interesting. And uh, I, I, you know, I, I saw the headlines about this, but I had no idea that it represented a simple reversal. On yeah. That, that is It was a reversal of its own order. It was like so strange. And it was with it a matter of hours. Without explanation. No explanation. How Jeremy Irons of them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It was just like, we saw your brief and never mind. We don't even want to deal with this. So Florida is like all psyched, right? Florida is like, okay, we're not going to have this no sale order. The CDC no sale order becomes just like guidance. And now like hooray with the cruise ships. So that sounds good. And it sounds like Florida and the cruise ships are all united. However, Norwegian, which is a big cruise company that owns multiple cruise lines, they're actually not happy because they were already in a separate lawsuit against the state of Florida. Because, <laughs> right, because of course, because Florida is totally full of shit. It's saying that it wants to protect the cruise industry, but in actuality, it doesn't give a shit about the cruise industry because what do we know about cruise ships? Well, we know everyone is like really nervous about going on a cruise ship right now because of COVID. So the cruise companies have like turned themselves into a pretzel, making a million COVID restrictions and, and making it so that 100% of the people on board are vaccinated and everybody has to get COVID tests and really implementing quite strict COVID regulations so that people can have confidence sailing with them because it's like they have to, otherwise no one's gonna go on these cruises, right? So Florida made a law prohibiting all businesses from using vaccine passports. In other words, the cruise companies are not allowed to demand that passengers are vaccinated because Florida made a law saying that they're not allowed to require it. We just need like a hashtag Florida summary executive of this. It's so crazy because it's like the cruise companies are dealing with, a, you know, this, this pandemic, which is so devastating for them. They finally get a plan to be able to get their industry back up and running. And then Florida just completely destroys the plan. And it's like, you can't even use your plan. So this is really states' rights versus the free market. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Which is ridiculous. What's ridiculous is that I thought Florida cared about the cruise industry. That's why they had this whole lawsuit. But obviously, they don't really care if the cruise industry wants to have its own regulations. These are private businesses. And, and by the way, it's not just cruise lines that are not allowed to use vaccine passports. No one in Florida is allowed to use them. No businesses whatsoever. There is only one reason for this. Yeah, so that Ron DeSantis can run for president. So that Ron DeSantis can run for president. That is the reason. So that he can benefit from the the cult of misinformation that that uh, Donald Trump developed for him. Yeah, no, that's exactly right because this is otherwise completely illogical if you didn't have that that additional piece of information. But I will say this: hooray for a moment for federal courts who don't care about Ron DeSantis but do care about logic because a federal judge ruled against Florida just yesterday. They were like, listen, this is nonsense. Of course, private businesses can ask for proof of vaccination. And by the way, Florida, you did a shit job writing your law to begin with because Florida was so excited to prohibit businesses from requiring proof of vaccination from customers, that they wrote the law really shoddily, but they continued to allow businesses to require proof of vaccination from their employees. 
And now they're trying to say, oh, well, you're discriminating against the unvaccinated. But if that were really true, they wouldn't allow businesses to require vaccines from their employees either. The judge said, this is ridiculous. This is a First Amendment violation. This is a dormant commerce clause violation. This is like a violation on multiple levels. The law makes no sense. And Florida has provided no evidence that this law has any good purpose whatsoever. So now what is going to happen, at least for the time being, is that Norwegian and other cruise lines are going to be able to use their plan of requiring vaccination from all of their travelers. The word discrimination, of course, uh, calls up some fiery feelings. But, you know, I certainly discriminate against drunk drivers. I discriminate against uh, people performing unsafe activities near my children. Road rage. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, we discriminate against people who are posing a risk to other people. Like Tesla drivers. <laughs> That is Is that just because of the giant iPad on the dashboard? Yeah, I, I, how how do you even focus in that car? <laughs> oh my god, it's so Have you ever been inside one? It's so fun. It's terrifying. You feel like you're in a movie theater though and then you forget that you're driving. So, since Florida doesn't have like an Excelsior pass like New York state does, proof of vaccination is just the CDC card, right? Uh, I believe so. I believe it's just the CDC card, but I think that what's going on is that the cruise lines are really being, I don't know, extra cautious to make sure that they're not forged. What's happening with cruises is that because they take the passengers to other countries, they have to vouch for their passengers aboard to say that the pa they've already conducted like this very stringent review of their documentation so that when the boat gets to another port, that the passengers all comply with whatever that country's COVID policies are. I, I remember back at the beginning of the pandemic, the Diamond Princess was, it got its own row on the list of nations when the Right, it was stuck in the ocean, right? It was stuck in the ocean. So it was, it was an entity onto itself and it was like the top 20 uh, groups of people in the world uh, in terms of COVID infection. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, again, free market being what it is, Florida is very convenient to launch cruise ships from. But why don't they just go to Louisiana, Alabama, or Mississippi? I think some of them are. South Carolina, Georgia, leave out of Atlanta. I'm sure it's a less worse state. Leave out of Bayonne. To, yeah, Bradley, right? out of Bayonne. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I've had enough cruise drama for one day. Hashtag Florida. Why don't we take a quick break? And when we get back, we'll discuss the results of the Sermo poll. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping 
dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. I thought this was the perfect question to make up our first poll for our friends at Sermo because you know, we all want to go on cruises and, and go on vacation. We all want the cruise industry to survive and thrive, but we also want to be safe. You know, I've written articles for Law and Crime about this cruise drama. And as I'm doing it, it's I sort of like assume that cruise ships can be a COVID disaster. But realistically, I don't actually know the level of danger because I'm just kind of going ba- based on my gut feeling. So I thought it might be useful to ask doctors what they think about the safety of going on a cruise ship. So would you like to hear the results? Oh, yes. Sure. Do we, ha- we should really get a drum roll. First, we asked, based on current COVID-19 data, do you think the cruise industry should be permitted to reopen? The choices were yes, reopen, no, don't reopen, but yes, reopen only with everyone being vaccinated. So. Here were the results of this. 67% of doctors said, yes, the cruise industry should be able to reopen, but only if all the passengers and all the staff are vaccinated against COVID-19. 11% more said that it would be safe for the cruise industry to reopen even without mandatory vaccination. Fascinating. 22% said no. Even with mandatory vaccinations, the risk is too high for this industry to reopen safely. That is fascinating. Yeah, it's not really what I would have expected. I yeah, frankly, I I, I do rather my, my own opinion. I think I I think I fall in line with the majority of doctors here. I embrace the idea that uh, particularly the mRNA vaccines represent an opportunity for us to reopen, and as long as people are being checked and as long as it's being confirmed that people have been vaccinated, they should be allowed to continue uh, and return to life. Would you go on a cruise, Andrew? Uh, I would not, but only because uh, I don't think they would be enjoyable. Uh, <laughs> I might be wrong about that. I've been on a cruise, and I, I'm here to report that it, it felt a lot like being at summer camp. It was like a lot of food, but none of it was really good. And there was like activities, <laughs> but I didn't really want to do any of them. Yes. <laughs> I was like, the room was like too small, and there was a lot of talking to people that they didn't feel like talking to. So there is a there's yes. an essay by David Foster Wallace. It's called A Supposedly Fun Thing I'll Never Do Again. And it was about taking a cruise. <laughs> I can totally attest. <laughs> I have to read that. That sounds funny. But I have more questions that we asked. So another question I asked is, is the risk associated with boarding a cruise ship more, less or the same as the risk of flying in an airplane? So I've flown in an airplane several times over the past couple of months. Um, 
you know, it's not something I'm like thrilled to do, but you know, it's something that's part of life. And I sort of convinced myself that it was safe um, with masks and all that. What, what do you guys think? Do you, should I just tell you the results or would you like to, to predict? Airplanes are safer. I would, I would guess that most doctors would say that airplanes are safer as well. 50% of doctors said that a cruise ship was more risky. 22% said it was about the same amount of risk. 14% said the cruise is less risky than being on an airplane. Right, because if the boat crashes, you live. <laughs> oh, I, I, I mean, that's if true. If an airplane does a Titanic, you die. If a boat does a Titanic, you true. live. I mean, you know, that's a good point. I mean, I meant only with regard to COVID. <laughs> um, 13% of the doctors that answered said it's too difficult to generalize because every cruise ship and every airplane is different. Um, and I think that that actually is probably where I would lie in my own prediction, which is it depends like what is the airline doing? Tell me about those HEPA filters. What is the cruise ship doing? How small is it? How packed in are people? That kind of thing. To me, built into the question is the idea that uh, you're talking about the best possible uh, cruise ship execution of safety measures in the best. Yeah. And right. in so, I mean, I, th I thought that was interesting. I thought everyone would say that the, uh, the cruise ship was riskier and only half the people said that. We also asked, other than requiring vaccinations, are there measures that the cruise industry could implement that would seriously reduce the risk of COVID-19 spread? In other words, like, is there anything else you can do beside that? Or is it just like vaccination robust? And 54% said vaccination requirements are the single most important measure. The other 46% did suggest things like mandatory testing, masks on board, social distancing, temperature checks, and like the, you know, sort of typical COVID protocols. So yes, you know, those things, but 54% said really it's the vaccination that is most meaningful. I also asked the doctors how many of them had gone on a vacation in the last, the last 12 months. 57% have been on a vacation and 43% had not. Um, so these are some hardworking doctors here. Of the people who went on a vacation, I asked, how did they travel? 37% traveled by plane, 39% traveled by driving, 1% traveled by train, and get this, 23% checked other. And I asked them, what did you mean by other? And many of them wrote car. So I didn't know, <laughs> like I wrote driving as one of us. <laughs> the choices i didn't maybe they think i meant like go-kart or tractor i don't know they were in the back of the van with john candy and home alone with the polka band <laughs> well these these results are absolutely fascinating it's it's so interesting to uh see what this international cohort of 1.3 million doctors are thinking about uh these questions it's a really cool opportunity to to, to get a bead on uh what the international medical community is thinking about these crazy times that we live in. Uh, so thanks for putting this together, Alora. Really cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to what else we can learn from this incredible community. So listeners, if you have your own questions about cruises, about anything else, if you have 1.3 million questions, send them over. We'll send them to our doctors at Sormo. And they should, they should send those questions to at VaxOnPod. And in the immortal words of Walter Cronkite, and that's the way it is. <laughs> that was my really bad Walter Cronkite impression. Kind of like Richard Nixon meets like Pinky the Brain or something. Yes. Do you, <laughs> do, you, do you remember Robin Williams' impersonation of Walter Cronkite in Good Morning Vietnam? Yes. 
and the weather over the Delta will be shitty with continued shittiness continuing throughout the week. I have no Cronkite impression. So. <laughs> with that, rest in peace, Robin Williams, and good night, 1.3 million listeners. <laughs> good night, everybody. Bye-bye, guys. That's all for today, folks. If you like today's show, the conversation continues on Twitter at VaxonPod. That's V-A-X-O-N pod. Be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and tell all your friends to listen. Vaxon is a product of Offscript Media. Our executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Alora Nanos. Our senior producers are Brianna Seeley and Andrew McDowell. It is mixed and edited by Brianna Seeley. Our theme music is by Chair Model. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscript.com. Hit us up at contact at offscript.com to share comments, feedback, and make recommendations. For more information, visit offscript.com. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader.